0: Welcome to The Culture Factor, where we talk to founders and influential leaders about company culture. We share stories from the C-suite that help executives engage their business from the inside and create a map to transform their culture. Because the truth is, culture eats strategy for breakfast.
1: This is The Culture Factor, and I'm your host and co-producer, Holly Shannon. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Our journey into company culture has just begun, and we'd like you along for the ride. Ian Song is a global client lead with Wonderman Thompson Central, overseeing an integrated agency team across continents and operating companies. He is a strong advocate for work-life balance, employee satisfaction, and compassionate leadership, and has led an award-winning career in agencies doing so. I connected with Ian after his article, imploring his team to stop apologizing for having lives went viral. It went from the New York Times to the GMAs to CNBC and more. And I will tell you that Ian walks the walk. It's true, he does not want to know when you're leaving the office for your kid's soccer game. Today we will break down why company culture and a healthy organization have allowed his teams to do great things in their industry. Hello, Ian. Welcome to The Culture Factor. Thanks for having me. Today, we are going to dive into a few questions here, starting with your viral letter. So it's, it's very interesting that the timing of your viral letter and how employees are being with their family and how that's reflected uh, by the leaders of their company. How are you navigating work from home with your team? And is there a difference in your company culture now or how you lead?
0: So it's a two part question. In terms of company culture, for sure, I see a difference in the way that uh, people are operating. Um, There is a a renewed focus on people staying connected. There is more communication internally than ever before, which I think are all good things. Um, And so that's how the, the company is operating. I think from a personal perspective, if I'm honest, not much has changed about the way that I lead. Um, I've uh, always been the kind of person who uh, gives a lot of latitude to the people I work with and who work for me to work at their own pace, to work at their own style, to uh, do things in a way that suits their lifestyle the best, as long as they get the work done and remain accountable to their teammates and their clients. So for me, it actually feels incredibly comfortable Albeit a bit isolated but incredibly comfortable and familiar and I think the other important uh, piece of perspective For me personally is that I travel quite a bit as it is and so I'm very accustomed to not being in the office And not physically being around my team, which is why I trust them so much generally because they perform very highly without me being there. And so for me, this all feels very familiar. And uh, even the, not only the style of communications, but the tools and the technology, et cetera, is is not intimidating at all to me.
1: So let me jump into this. If a company is struggling to stay afloat uh, during COVID-19, can good company culture keep the ship from sinking?
0: So I cert- certainly think it can help. I mean, I certainly think it, um a good culture can engender um, a loyalty a uh, renewed work ethic and enthusiasm uh, a sense of uh, being in it together So I think it can help I think um, There's gonna be a lot of companies that are going to look back on this time and the way that they behaved and that is going to be, I believe, a real indicator for how uh, exceptional talent view those companies in the future. So people will look back and say, oh, how did company X treat their employees during the uh, during the COVID crisis? Oh, they treated them badly? Well, I don't know if that's the kind of place I want to go work because what's going to happen to me? There's going to be something else that happens in my tenure there. And how are they going to treat me? Or, hey, company B... Uh, Seems to have done really right by their employees. That's the kind of place that I want to go and I want to contribute to uh, because they'll take care of me during hard times.
1: Yeah, I I did just see articles uh, all about that recently, like how McDonald's has been, you know, donating money. um, Sarah Blakely from Spanx, um, how different companies are trying to support uh, their the people who work for them or you know, just people hard hit. So it it really is a reflection of their their work ethic, not their work ethic. I'm sorry their their company ethos. And yeah,
0: relations. I I um my my of all people, my therapist said to me a couple of weeks ago that uh, the way that we all are behaving now and the things that we're feeling, um, are simply. Uh, Heightened manifestations of who we are and how we normally feel They're just all coming out kind of more severely right now And so I think when you look at companies that are Behaving the right way. It's because it's in their ethos. It's in their dna And companies who are getting criticized for the way that they're treating employees and I won't name I won't name any it's not i'm not in the business of doing that but um, they are companies that have Uh, People have always kind of whispered about as being bad places to work or treat their employees badly and it's just again, it's just Their behavior now is simply just a heightened manifestation of of that historical behavior
1: Mm. Uh, Maybe it could be a call to action Um, It it could be and maybe you want you want to elaborate on this so Bad company culture maybe could be turned around. Um, could this be an opportunity for companies that have struggled with bad company culture to initiate some sort of change? Well,
0: sure, it could be. And, and, and they could look to people who are doing it right uh, as a model for good behavior. You know, I, t- I tend to believe that by a certain point in our lives, at a foundational level, we, we are the people who we are. Or companies are the companies who they are. Um, it's again, it's kind of built into the into the framework, into the DNA. It's it's probably even the bad behaviors, probably probably to some extent, are what made the company successful in the first place. So I don't know that you can just flip a switch um, and turn the entire thing around because you've built an entire organization based on a certain kind of behavior, and that's not just the leaders, but it's the people who they've hired. Uh, you know from from the very bottom to the very top. It's a very hard thing to turn around on a dime yeah. but I hope
1: you know Yeah, I, I hope. <laughs> yeah if it's systemic it, it is hard yeah. to turn it around um So, uh, you know just sort of jumping, you know the letter that you wrote, uh, mm-hmm. that went viral I just want to jump into that for for you probably feel like you've talked about it many times, but When leadership treats their employees more like children uh, than adults, um, it can make a a toxic culture, uh, can make the employees feel resentful. In what ways have you implemented change to break people of habits that they might have brought with them to your business from other companies?
0: Yeah, a couple things. So let me give you a, a, a really kind of silly tactical example. So... Every time Someone who doesn't know me comes to work for me or in my organization inevitably There's a moment where they'll walk into my office or send me an email and tell me that they have a dentist appointment Thursday morning And they won't be in until 10 o'clock and my reaction is always the same which is I didn't just didn't need to know that it's not it's none of my business. Um, Unless you're missing a deadline or missing a meeting with me or It causes some issue. I don't those are not the kinds of things that I need to know I don't doesn't need to be on my calendar. It doesn't need to be in my consciousness and Those are really kind of simple ways of signaling to people What's important to me and what isn't and the kind of respect I have for people's time and their individuality versus what they might have been brought up with in whatever industry they're in and so i try to signal those kind of very small try to use those very small kind of teachable moments to signal to people what i'm about and what i'm and what i'm not about and you know people have always people talk to me a lot about this issue of micromanagement which i don't do and they they want to probe they think there's some Uh, You know some some deep reasoning behind it and truthfully uh, It's a a I find it boring to micromanage people. It's just literally I just find it to be a bore and second I'm I'm not even I'm trying to micromanage myself The last thing I need to do is micromanage a bunch of adults, right? So, you know, I'm just gonna fall down and fail and and uh, and fail them so those are kind of the reasons why I I don't get involved with um those kinds of of minute details in people's lives. It's just it's their business It's not mine and they can manage their lives way better than I can
1: Did you notice that there were uh, Speaking of genders mm-hmm. um, Did you find that you had more? Uh, women that were coming to you to make you alert of their schedule Than men or was that about the same across the board for the people who came to you?
0: No, it was definitely women for sure. Um, it's, it's something that I thought about a lot over the last year since I wrote that piece. Um, the, there was so many interesting things about being a man and getting the kind of reaction that I got to that piece. Um, you know, thousands of, of women, millions, I have no idea how many had, had written and said the same thing for years and didn't get the kind of attention that it got when a Uh, You know quote-unquote powerful man said it and I was very aware of that. I was very I was very conscious of um, how uh, Messed up that was right and how wrong that was that it took my voice to uh, to kind of make it echo and I talked to a lot of female leaders about it um, and Talked about the the enormous sense of responsibility that comes with the enormous privilege that I kind of have in my life. Right. And, um, I have noticed that it's women who tend to be more apologetic, more, um, worried and anxious about those things because that's how they've been treated their entire career. And we as a society, whether we like to admit it or not, no matter how woke us men are, we have, um, continued to saddle women and mothers with far more responsibility than we take on ourselves when it comes to children, the home, etc. And um, it's, you know, I I think women are at a breaking point. In fact, I was just literally just before we got on this call, I was texting with my ex-wife. I was telling her that I've been hearing rumors about Illinois schools uh, in the fall going to this very complicated schedule where it could be um, uh, kids go every other day and classrooms are only twenty uh, only fifty percent full to promote distancing. So it, it, whatever they end up doing, it's going to be a very complicated system with a lot of a lot of moving parts. And we have two kids, ones in middle school, ones in in lower school. And I said, you know, I said to her, I said, I, I hope this is a moment in time where you know women and moms. R- Stand up and say we are not going to shoulder the burden for all of this, right? This is we as working mothers Have a responsibility to our careers as much as we do to our kids And the institutions we work for have to change The men who are our partners have to change and this is not a small change This is we need to break the system and rebuild it and I really hope it's a moment in time to do that
1: I don't disagree with you. I, I, you have me thinking with the schools, especially when you have uh, children in different schools right. and maybe in different locations within a, a city right. or or right. so forth. <laughs> the right. the logistics on that are always fun. Yeah, um, And it kind of, you, you bring me into my um, my next question, that gender does play a significant role in how uh, leadership is viewed. We... There's there's an aftermath that's going to come with this pandemic, and is is doing business. In doing business, we can provide an opportunity maybe for lines to be blurred. Now, I I think that there's going to be uh, a difference in the way male and female leaders are perceived because. I feel like the playing field has almost been leveled during this time. Like everybody's working from home, everybody's got a desk somewhere in some spare bedroom or in a corner mm. or a closet. Like I feel like you almost can't tell who's leading now. Uh, do you think that this might change some of the leadership roles or how women are viewed going forward?
0: I, you know, I don't know. I, I hope so. I I, I hope that. That that gap between how men and women are perceived gets flattened, you know, it's interesting I I think about as you were saying that and asking that question. I I jotted down um, My favorite bosses that I've had from the last 10 or 15 years I jotted down all the bosses I've had and then I circled my favorite and both of them are women and both of them are very strong fierce smart compassionate Aggressive Thoughtful human beings who happen to be women and so I have It's hard. Sometimes it's hard for me to I have to really take a step back and and look at the world from a different perspective than my just my own because i've had Such incredible female role models in my life both the women i've worked for my mother, my sisters, my ex-wife, girlfriends, etc. I mean, I, I've had really wonderfully strong, um, thoughtful women in my life, and so um, to me, it makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah, of course, absolutely. In fact, it, it pisses me off that we even have to talk about it. You know, yeah. like yeah. it's just, but we do. Yeah, no,
1: because it impacts so so many other uh, conversations. You know, you use some interesting words, fierce, uh, aggressive, uh, two terms that are typically um, a positive in men and a negative in women. Uh, You did not use the word sensitive there, uh, but we all know that that can be a positive for men and a negative for women when we're talking optics and we're talking the gender bias that exists in just uh, those terms. Mm -hmm. So um, your conversation makes me start thinking in that direction. Yeah. (laughs) I... Love this conversation, and I feel like uh, we need to continue it. I do have one more question for you, but I'd like to just get out of the way uh, a couple little minor points that our sponsor is Company Tribes. And, uh, Ian San's website will be in the show notes. That's, uh, Ian Son S mm-hmm. O H N.com. Uh, and then I would also, uh, like to invite our listeners to, uh, follow this podcast and the conversation that will follow because I think, um, Ian and I had spoken about maybe having a little Q and a to take this conversation, uh, uh Online in a different format. But before we go, I want to ask uh, Ian if there's any um, case studies or certain projects that are exemplifying your style of leadership and running a company in a humane way. If if maybe you have something you could share with us and, and maybe we continue to share later.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm working on something right now, which I hope we're gonna roll out soon. Um, as a lot of people will know by now. Um, In most major u.s. Cities uh, People of color communities of color have been hit disproportionately hard by covid and it's a combination of factors. It's um, A a higher propensity for underlying health conditions. It's a lot of people who are uh, essential workers, it's uh, Larger families who are sharing homes It's lack of access to quality health care Uh, a inherent distrust of of authority and uh, Chicago's mayor, Lori Lightfoot has really um, been a leader nationally in bringing this to the forefront in the last couple weeks and I um, got together a group of agency leaders uh, from Detroit and Chicago uh, and basically we are putting together a uh, pro bono uh, public education campaign that we're taking to Um, we're creating a toolkit that we're going to take to the chicago mayor's office who we have a relationship with Detroit's going to do the same we're going to make it basically we're going to open source it and give it away for free So any city can take it um, we're not quite ready to roll it out yet, but it's something That I feel strongly about uh, and it's something That I enjoy doing because it feels worthy of the moment and it's nice to do something that has an impact. And it's nice to also give people at my company something to do that makes them feel like they're having a real impact.
1: Yeah, having a sense of purpose mm-hmm. is very, very important. I think there's a lot of people who feel um, as though they've lost that ground. Of, of feeling a sense of purpose right now. So uh, what you're building sounds exceptional. And I love that um, it'll be for free, that it can be a blueprint for other cities to emulate. Um, so thank you for, for the work that you're doing. Uh, in regards to that, and again, we'll we'll carry that conversation further uh, on LinkedIn or or whatever platform uh, looks the best to people to to find out more about that. But I, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Culture Factor and Ian San and our conversation today, and hope that uh, leaders will uh, be able to take away a few great notes from you because you have a lot of really wonderful things to say and and obviously a a proven track record of of how well it does work. So thank you for for coming.
0: That's a very nice thing for you to say. You're welcome. My pleasure.
1: (laughs) I want to thank our listeners for joining The Culture Factor and ask that you subscribe, rate, and consider leaving a review. We'd love to hear who you'd like to listen to next. And a thank you to our sponsor, Company Tribes. They have an app and a virtual experience to help keep your tribe together during difficult times like now and business as usual. How strong is your company culture? Reach out to Paul at companytribes.com.